Hey there, I'm Trevor Houston, the creator of the Who You Know Summit, and I'd like to welcome you to the Who You Know Job Networking Show. On our program, we'd like to show you the job search like you've never seen. Everything from getting noticed by employers, how to properly format your resume, and how to network effectively using LinkedIn to drive recruiters to your profile. We even take suggestions from our amazing community. So if you want to learn all things job search, go ahead and subscribe now. Focus. It's all about the job search. So if you want to learn how to land that next success, you heard them. All you got to do is subscribe and ring that bell so you don't miss out on a thing. Hi, my name's Sherry, and I've had a pretty troubled past. I've spent a couple of years running around Dallas doing some things I'm not very proud of. My senior year of high school, you could find me in a cheerleading uniform selling meth. I've been arrested and put in jail 11 times, and then I finally realized this is not the life for me, this is not the direction I want to be headed, and this is not my purpose. So I made a vow to turn my life around. It was not an easy road, but since that time, I've become a successful inventor and entrepreneur. I've been very fortunate, but not everybody is that lucky. I knew I wanted to give back and help others turn their lives around. So I started volunteering at the Prison Entrepreneurship Program that gives prisoners the opportunity to change their lives. Please do not quit. It will be the biggest mistake that you've ever made in your life, even more than the mistake you've made to get in here. No longer do I have to feel insignificant. Now, I'm in the light. 100% of our guys have a job within 90 days of being released from prison. It's truly an amazing experience to get to work with these men the way I get to, because I know what they're going through. They need somebody that believes in them and that is backing them up to show them that change is possible. You better stick with this. Sherry is very helpful. You know, she inspires me. Things get hard. Please think about my speech. I have so many letters. I'll open the mailbox sometimes and there's 25 different letters from different inmates saying, thank you, you're changing my life. Because of you, I'm not going to be on drugs or do anything bad anymore. So that that's why I'm just like, I can't mess up. And I got to keep being successful for these guys. I got a second chance. And helping these men get their second chance has been the most rewarding thing I've ever done in my life. Welcome back to the Who You Know Job Networking Show, where what you know is important, but who y'all know, who you know. Absolutely, it'll make a difference. It definitely will. Well, let me tell you who I know. I know Sherry Garcia. She's the CEO of Cornbread Hustle, a staffing agency for second chances. Before creating Cornbread Hustle, she found her own transformation and recovery through inventing a tanning bed and starting a career in TV and the news business. Later, Sherry became a PR consultant for Mark Cuban companies and provided strategy and media opportunities for a variety of Shark Tank companies. Today, she uses those talents to help individuals get out of prison, rebrand themselves to become the person they want and to get noticed by the people they want to meet. Everybody, welcome Sherry Garcia! All right! I wish that episode would just die. <laughs> I can't believe you guys just did that. Are you talking about the uh, Steve Harvey? Yeah. Okay, what is it you just hate about that? It, like, it, like, it's like nails on a chalkboard my for you. My eyebrows, <laughs> uh, my hair. <laughs> what 
what I was wearing, the fact that I did mess up again. I did. I absolutely, and the fact that I was drinking while probably doing that interview. Oh, wow. So it, yeah, it's been a journey. So I've had my company for five years, been sober for three, but started volunteering in prisons 10 years ago. So the passion and purpose mm. was always there, but I was pouring into other people instead of filling myself up. Pouring out of an empty cup? Yes, I sure was. Okay, sure. hold on. So, well, I, I, I want to just say I appreciate your... Um, Honesty, right? Like that's just—I love that. That it, yeah. Yeah. So I'm gonna yeah. mic drop for that. Um, well, let's go back. Let's take us back. Okay. It said that you got in a lot of trouble and stuff like that when you were in in high school. Was it before high school or was it during high school? What was that like? What was it like for you then? What was going on? In high school, I decided to try meth. It it was appealing to me because I heard it makes you lose weight, stay up late. I had the whole myth that I'd get good grades. Yeah. <laughs> all the all the fringe benefits. Oh yeah, all the benefits. So yeah, and you know it worked until it didn't. You know, I, I did mm -hmm. get to feel all those benefits. People don't do drugs and alcohol just to destroy their lives. They do it yeah. because it works for a while. Because it feels true. good. And it feels good. Right? Why? Well, I, I mean, if it if it like burnt your skin and you're like ah. You probably wouldn't do it, right? Nah, this ain't worth it. You'd be like, but it's the opposite. You're like, ooh. That can happen yeah. when you cook meth, though. Oh, okay. Don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Touche. Explosion. <laughs> so, so was that, like, was there something else going on? Or was, like, is just because, you know, you said you wanted to... You wanted to lose weight? Is yeah, that was that was really the leading reason. Um, I was I had a obsession with that. Um, you know, and all my arrests and stuff. Like looking back at that show, like they were real petty. I had a couple of thefts that aren't even on my record now. Every time I got arrested, it was because of an unpaid warrant. It was because of my lifestyle, mm -hmm. a DWI that ended up being clean, uh, expunged from my record. So the only thing I currently have right now. So I. I've had like second chance, third chance, fourth, I don't know, 50 chances. Yeah. Um, the only thing on my record right now is a misdemeanor DWI that I did get while being the CEO of Cornbread Hustle. And that was really what made me finally turn my life around. Just mm. having to be on probation. I told y'all you're going to be dropping the mics a lot. Yeah, I'm ready. Um, I'm ready. Look, you got all of them. I'm having <laughs> to be on probation, having, like, I literally had a breathalyzer in my car that I couldn't afford. I was scared my breathalyzer was going to get repoed. You know, then I was going to violate probation because I couldn't pay for my car. Then I was going to violate probation because I couldn't pay for probation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, although people were getting jobs, and even back then on the Steve Harvey show, like those people that I was serving, they're still doing really great today. So God wastes nothing. It wasn't it mm. wasn't like I was running around just being a menace. I was trying to do my best to help others. I was just really hurting myself in the mm -hmm. process. So it started with that, right? trying the drugs and that was the catalyst and then it was just kind of a downward spiral from there not really actually I so I did the drugs I did them every single day for two years after I tried them so I was a senior in high school I was using drugs I was bringing it to school I was putting it in my drink like I, I was smoking meth in the parking lot all of it it was really really wow. bad yeah really you were right here in Dallas when all that was going yeah, on weren't right, you yeah right it. so so I'm trying to like connect some dots right I'm trying 
trying to really like dig a little deeper because for me, I got in a lot of trouble in my teenage years, but there was some things going on behind the scenes in, in like the way I was living, like what was, what was actually happening? Was there something like that happening with you or was it just like, what was going on? There was. Um, I don't know if I'm really uh, ready to publicly talk about it yet, but yes, it was a family member that introduced me okay. to the drug. Fair enough. So, Same here. I, uh, I was smoking pot with my mom at 13, right? Um, and, and other worse drugs than that. And you're 13. the only interviewer that know, has known to even ask that question. And I've well, been like really wrestling with when do I want to come out with, you know, I've oh, always just yeah. owned it as I just made the decision and everyone's like, ah, oh, what an idiot, you know? <laughs> no, it typically <laughs> doesn't work that way. There's got to be, be some more backstory. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's more. I mean, I just knew there had to be more. Like I, the way I grew up, I mean, I had a lot of things going on behind the scenes and I got in a lot of trouble because I was angry and I was bitter. And there were things going on, and that was an escape, and and it was in front of me. I was watching my mom do it. I'm doing it, you know, with her. It became okay, acceptable, all those things. So that, that's why I just wanted to know, like, what was going on, you know, kind of behind the scenes. And so the 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 span of of well, ten to eleven, you know, times in jail. What kind of time period was that over? Oh gosh, my first couple of arrests was before I even Early, tried right? meth. Okay. Probably freshman year of high school. I just had this thrill of stealing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, the second time I got caught, my parents said, "You're staying." So yeah. I stayed in juvie over Thanksgiving break. Oh yeah. wow. I'm sorry. I don't mean to laugh. <laughs> oh man. I don't. I really don't mean to laugh. I. I uh, there's just so much commonality. I'm like, you just brought me back. To what I was in juvie. I will tell you, juvie is way worse than, for me, it was way worse than any times that I've been in adult jail. Because juvie, they're responsible for you. So they're going to make sure that you're, like, doing everything by the book. Like My best friend worked in juvie, and that's what he said, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a lot more stringent. Adult jail, they're kind of like, you're screwed. Yeah. How, how was, for you, what was your experience in juvie with your, um, like, the way the guards treated you and things like that? Did they treat you good? Cause it was like, terrible. It was awful, it, right? It was worse than anything I've ever it was terrible isn't that crazy it was ter. it was the worst experience I juvie was the worst experience uh -huh. even compared to staying over for a weekend loose stare it mm. you know uh, it's just shout out to Jason Pettit okay uh, Jason Pettit was um, one of the guards when I was in juvie <laughs> okay and he was amazing he was like a coach matter of fact he did a lot of football coaching and stuff like that and he was like a coach and mentor and just wanted kids to get better mm -hmm. and uh so anyways a shout out to him but everyone else there was just awful yes. just horrid i remember there was this sweet lady that came in and she snuck in smarties somehow she <laughs> snuck them in and they were like i hate smarties but when you're in jail yeah you love smarties <laughs> we 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 would they would make us do stuff for what they call g bars granola bars they called them g bars it was uh Chewy bars, you know, the little chewy bars? Mm -hmm. They would make us do push-ups or whatever for G-bars. And that was like, You're you crazy. wanted that. Yeah, you wanted that G-bar. You're like, wow. So did, the, like, because prison, right? Jail, juvie, adult, you know, prison, whether it's county. I've or... never been to prison. Okay. Never been to prison. So 
it's designed by design supposed to start rehabilitate, right? Reform. Did you get any of that throughout your experience I, there? I will be honest, that juvie experience, I still hold my breath and get scared walking out of any retail store to this day. Mm. Like that really did, I will not steal a piece of gum. I will not ever steal again in my life. They made me do like theft therapy, whatever that, like some kind of theft classes. I don't oh, know. Oh, wow. Um, so that worked. It did work for me, but I, okay. I found different ways to be rebellious and it was through drugs and alcohol. All my troubles after that all related to drugs and alcohol. And then the warrants and the arrests were, I never got any other charges that related to anything else outside of that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Was it that you were, were you like defiant? Like in your demeanor, your personality or, cause you meet a lot of times you meet people and they're defiant with their actions because they do what they want to do and it gets them in trouble. They're not purposely like trying to be defiant to other people. It's just in their lives, right? Was, can you talk about that? Was that you I've or? I've never, even to this day, like, cause sometimes my, my drive and attitude can get in the way of other people. Um, I think I never, ever, ever meant to ever hurt anybody. I've always had a big heart, Yeah. but okay. I think I just seek thrill. Mm. Did I'm you hang a, with the wrong people kind of thing? I did. I was the wrong person. I hear you. <laughs> I oh, we got, <laughs> got along just fine. I cannot use that excuse. I was the wrong person. All right. Well, let's shift gears, okay? <laughs> let, 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 let's shift gears for, for just a second. Um, let's talk about recovery transformation, right? Because obviously I'm looking at you now, and it's kind of hard to imagine all of that. Yeah. So let's talk about that. What led to your recovery? What led to your transformation? Because there's usually, like I said, there's a root cause that started it. There's something that triggered the recovery too. Mm -hmm. What triggered your recovery? So I, I got the DWI in 2017, around December 2017. Oh man, I even went back to the police station the, the next day and had to ask what city my car was in. Like, mm. So like I, I was bad off. I really could have hurt myself or somebody else big time. I still drank for that entire year, telling myself like, ah, everybody drinks and drives, just some, sometimes people get caught. Very unfortunate, the job that I have. You know, that doesn't look good, but whatever, you know, and I just kind of kept it under wraps for a while and did my probation and showed up and did my drug test and all that. And I just, man, I was trying to beat that breathalyzer. I was trying to count the drinks and how long could it be until I had to blow into the breathalyzer. And I just started, things started to happen in the next couple of months. I already had two near DWIs and a couple of people that were close to me were like, you're about to really ruin your life. And I was like, shut up, whatever. You just don't want me to have fun. <laughs> whatever, whatever, I'll do what I want. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I did, I read a book called Control Alcohol because that's how bad I wanted to control it. Like, oh, okay. and it, it yeah, really, yeah. it changed a lot of the way that I looked at it. It said that it causes anxiety. And I always thought that the alcohol was the only thing that would cure my anxiety. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, well, that's stupid. And so I started to try to go like one month at a time and then I felt good. But then when the feelings would hit me, I'd be like, that doesn't feel good. So then I drink and basically every time I drank after like the one month or the two months, it 
was horrible. I felt horrible the next day. It wasn't worth it ever. Mm. Christmas Eve comes along. I wasn't planning on never drinking again. I was just trying so hard to control my drinking. And so I, I even bought like a 12 pack of Topo Chico and a handle of Tito's and Red Bull. And I was like, I'm going to pick you, you, and you, and then start over. You, you, and you. I was going to like pick through the drinks throughout the night. And I did. At the end of the night, I was drinking a Topo Chico with my pinky up and I was like, I did it. I controlled alcohol. I'm going to go to bed. I'm going to wake up sober and not hungover. And I woke up and I had anxiety. Mm. And I just thought to myself, I don't think this is good for my mental health. I still wasn't admitting to having a problem. It, I was like, this must not be good for my chemical and my chemical imbalances in my brain. <laughs> and so I just said, I think I'm going to stop drinking. And um, New Year's Eve comes along and it was really hard or comes around. It was really hard not to drink on New Year's Eve. Imagine. And I decided to go to church. And I was not a church person. And in fact, when I pulled into the parking lot, I was like, why are so many people here on New Year's Eve? These must be the most lame people. <laughs> like, I knew why I was there. I was there because it's the only place with music and like some foods and some treats without any alcohol. And so people were raising their hands up in the sky and preachers asking for money. And I, my eyes were like so rolled into the back of my head. And a song came on, Come, Al uh, Come Alive Dry Bones. Oh. And yes. I, I just was like, I'm dead. I'm dead. Ooh, yeah. And I didn't know at the time what it meant to have the Holy Spirit hit you, but I know that that's what happened. And then um, little by little, the Lord was speaking to me and telling me, like, I, I turned straight to Proverbs 20. It said, wine is a mocker, beer is a brawler, who is led about uh, led by it is astray. Mm. And um, I remember falling to my knees and throwing my Bible against the wall and just saying, help me. Well, help me then. You know, if you don't want me to do this, just help. I always cry when I talk about it because it's like how a higher power can literally like, like, I'm, like I had a real dad, like mm. speak me, mm. yeah. like the way I needed, right? Yeah. Like yeah. a real dad. And at that point, it was like an invisible accountability partner. And I went six months without drinking, white knuckling it. It was horrible. I mean, obviously there were good enough days that I kept going. Mm -hmm. And then at around six months, I had a couple of options. It was kill myself um, or go to church or drink. And I, at that six months, I decided to go to church and I had another Holy Spirit moment and I felt better. And and then that's when I decided I'm either going to stay sober and keep going or if I don't tell people, I'm not going to stay accountable. So I got on LinkedIn and I did a selfie video as the CEO of Cornbread Hustle telling the whole world I got a breathalyzer in my car. And I'm just sharing this with you because I bet there's other professionals that have a breathalyzer in their car and feel ashamed mm -hmm. and embarrassed yes. and scared. Mm -hmm. But I'm with you. And if this causes me to have no credibility and not place a single person, then that's just what I deserve. So, yeah. Mm. Oh, man. So, um, so I want to I want to I want to pick on a couple things. So, first of all, your, the video that you put out just telling the world right um heather monahan says it best she says um in order to oh, i think she says in order to own your shame you got to shine light on it shine light on your shame or or your shame will will own you something like that i can't remember exactly how she puts it but um it's kind of like okay i'll give you an example i don't know if you've ever watched that movie uh 
Eight Mile with Eminem? Of course I have. Okay, the rap battle. <laughs> the very last rap battle, right? Yeah, that rap battle. And Eminem basically starts talking crap about himself, saying all the bad things about himself, and then hands the guy the mic and says, all right, tell them something else they don't know about me. Yeah. yeah. Right? Like, you don't have any power over me, right? So he shined light on his shame. I love that guy's face, the expression on that guy's face. When he, he had nothing. The enemy has nothing when you shine light on your shame. Mm -hmm. I, did, I did a post today and it was going viral until LinkedIn shut it down. <laughs> Seriously, because I've, I put some things out there today that I have ne I've never shared. And I shined light on the shame and the support was amazing. So I, I think that's awesome that you did that, number one. The other thing that I wanna point on, you talked about worship music, right? Like worship music is huge for me. I, I absolutely love it. There's something about music. And you had that moment where it was like the Holy Spirit kind of washed over you. It sounds like you didn't even, you weren't even like really maybe religious or, you know, you said the, the, pre, the preacher was asking for money and all these other things going on around you. But then you heard the music and it was like everything else just yep. silenced, right? Yep. I know that feeling. I know that feeling a lot. So anyways, I just wanted to share that with you. I think that's that's amazing. For all y'all listening, if y'all aren't plugging in with some good worship music, you need to. Just saying. You need to go plug in with some good worship music. Guys, we got to go to a real quick commercial break, but don't go anywhere. We got more Sherry Garcia when we get back, when we get back with more mic drops. Trevor Houston here, and I want to thank you for tuning in to the Who You Know Job Networking Show. We hope you've been inspired, encouraged, educated, and entertained all at the same time. For information on our different events, workshops, partners, or partnership opportunities available, check out whoyouknow.show for more details. And be on the lookout for our new mobile app coming soon. You never know how this show can help someone you know. You know, and if we've made an impact or put a smile on your face today, don't forget to hit that share button on your way out. Until next week, it's all about who you know. Bye.